Welcome to Mosaic Church, and thank you for joining us here online. To prepare for today's message, we encourage you to utilize the Mosaic Cincinnati app. There, you can view the message notes, put in prayer requests, and so much more. Enjoy the message. But it's really special for me to speak today for a couple of reasons. Um, First, this weekend last year, actually a year ago yesterday, Sobe and I moved here to be a part of Mosaic Church. So Sobe actually, so we moved on a Friday from Missouri and um, he spoke, uh, he preached that Sunday. So we moved Friday, he preached Sunday. So apparently this is just the, the Anadobu weekend from now till forever. Um, but the second reason that it is special for me to get to speak is um, if you guys have, have been here, were here a few weeks ago, Pastor Joe talked about um, a woman named Deborah in the Bible. And he talked about how God can use anyone at any time. He can use women in positions of power and to preach, and, and he can use anyone, even if you think he can't. Um, and Pastor Joe is not just a man who preaches one thing up here and then lives differently, but he lives out what he preaches. And so I'm just really honored to, to get to share the pulpit this morning. So we are going to jump in this morning. Our series this summer is called Summer Mixtape. We are going through stories in the Old Testament, so the, the first kind of half of your Bible, and talking about how it applies to your life today. And there's a, a quote and kind of a question that Pastor Joe has posed to us each week as we've gone through this series. There are huge gaps between who we are and who God wants us to be. And the question for you and for me is that God wants to take us on a journey. He wants to bridge that gap. Are you ready to go on the journey? Today we are talking about Rahab. Who has heard of Rahab before? A few people. I had heard Rahab's story before. I'm actually going through the whole Bible this year, and I had read her story earlier this year, but whenever I sat down to study her story for this message, I realized that there was so much that I had missed. And that's a big reason why I really, really love this series that we're going through this summer, because we're looking at Old Testament stories that maybe you have heard them before, the stories like Moses or or Gideon or Joshua. But Hebrews 4.12 says that God's word is living and active, which means that even if you've read it a thousand times before, when we take the time to study God's word again, it still has the ability to speak new things to us, and, and scripture says it has the ability to cut through and expose our inmost souls. So we should read the Bible with fresh eyes, believing that God can speak to us through it. So I'm going to pray that over us all this morning, and then we will get into the message. So God, I just thank you so much um, for the word that you have for us this morning. God, for everyone here, for me included, Lord, I pray that you would give all of us fresh eyes, fresh hearts, 
God, good soil in our hearts ready to hear what you have to say to us. God, may we experience what that scripture just said, God, that your word is living and active. So speak to us this morning, Lord. We give this service to you. Amen. Our big idea for today is that God has the power to redeem and use your story. What does God do in the midst of our stories? More importantly, what can we learn about the nature of God through Rahab's story and our own? How does God use who we used to be on this new journey that he's taking us on? So to give you guys a little bit of context of Rahab's story, um, we talked about Moses a few weeks ago, but Moses was leading the Israelites. They had been in slavery. He was leading them through the wilderness to the promised land. But the Israelites just kept on being disobedient. And so they wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. And then they finally get to where they can see the promised land. Moses can, can see the promised land, and he dies before they enter the promised land. And then a man named Joshua takes over, leading the Israelites. So right after Joshua takes over is where we hear the famous encouragement that I'm sure most of you have, have heard before. But God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. I am with you wherever you go. So God is telling Joshua, he's preparing him for the promised land. He's telling him um, that he has already given them the promised land, and now is the time for Joshua to finally lead the people in after 40 years of wandering. One problem is that, not a problem for God, but one thing that they have to overcome is that after they cross the Jordan River, there is a fortress city that needs to be conquered so the Israelites can really have the promised land. That city is called Jericho. It's a walled city. Um, people probably came there for refuge because it was walled, um, but that's where we are going to pick up today. So we're picking up in Joshua chapter two. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yeah, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. So Joshua sends these two spies in to check out Jericho. And they decide that it's a good idea to stay at Rahab the prostitute's house. 
People have speculated why the spies might have decided to stay with Rahab, but honestly, it seems pretty smart to me. Um, they were trying to be secretive. They were trying not to be caught. And what better place to hide than somewhere where people are going in and out of the house pretty often. If you notice, I said we're talking about Rahab today, and the first thing that it says is, is what Rahab is. So this story in the Bible is focused on a sinner, people who, somebody who wasn't perfect and put together Something that I want us all to keep in mind today is this. This story is for you. It's not for your neighbor or your Facebook friend or whoever. It's for you. You are the sinner in this story. I am the sinner in this story. I think that it's really important that the Bible refers to Rahab by her occupation. I don't think it's an accident or just casually mentioned. This is your first blank on your sheet. God sees you where you are. Right from the get-go, we see where Rahab's true identity was. Some Bible scholars have tried to water this down by saying that Rahab was simply an innkeeper. Even as I was studying, there were different um, Bible scholars that were, wrote whole commentaries based on the fact that she couldn't have been a prostitute. But if there is one thing that the Bible is clear about in Rahab's story, it's her identity. She is referred to as Rahab the prostitute at least six separate times in scripture. And the Hebrew word for prostitute here is used 93 times in the Bible, and every single time, the word and the context is the same. There's even a chapter or a book in the Old Testament called Hosea that talks about a man who, who married a prostitute, and it's the same word used there. I'm sure you're probably wondering why I'm emphasizing this so much and where I'm going with this at this point but it's important that Rahab was not an innkeeper. And to argue otherwise, we are taking away from God's power in this story. The power of this story isn't in watering it down to make us more comfortable by saying that Rahab was an innkeeper. The power of this story is that God would use someone like Rahab that God would use someone like me and like you. If this story were about you instead of Rahab, what identifier would be used about you? The liar, the cheater, the addict, the workaholic, the perfectionist. God is the only one who can see every part of us even the parts that we try to hide because we're too ashamed or because we don't want other people to see them. He sees our past and he sees the sin that we're living in now. And he sees the things that we put before him. He sees where we put our identity. So growing up, I was 
I'm sure a lot of you are not going to be surprised by this, but I was very much a perfectionist. I was a straight-A student. I have um, an older brother. He's just, he was two grades above me, and he's very intelligent. And so basically my goal in everything was to do better than he did. So like the ACT, I took the ACT until I got a better score than he did. I'm sure he's watching this and he's not gonna be happy about that, but um, that was the most important thing to me, was being the best. I even, when I was eight, decided to be a doctor. And I think a big part of that for me is that whenever you're a kid and you think about, okay, what's the best thing I can do? Like a doctor is pretty up there. And so in my mind, I was like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do because it's the best. And that was my plan. Even um, whenever you do like class superlatives um, in high school and middle school, we did one in eighth grade and senior year. Both times, <laughs> I was voted most likely to succeed. That's what people knew about me because that's what I cared about the most. So I went into college. That was my plan. I was gonna be a doctor. I, I only cared about getting good grades and um, that's who I was. Um, but I really started to encounter God. I really started to live for him and to experience what it was like when I put him first in my life. And he, God had, had the nerve to call me out of being a doctor and into ministry. I didn't just feel like I was giving up my dream of being a doctor. I felt like that meant that I was failing. And if any of you are perfectionists or, or just like achieving, you understand what I mean. But to give up, you know, this goal that you have for something else, it's like, man, I must be a failure if I can't do that. Because to me, to change my major and to be anything less than a doctor meant, again, that I was failing. That was my whole identity. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't God. God wasn't calling me out of being a doctor. God was calling me out of placing my identity in anything other than him. A life where you put your identity in anything other than Jesus, good or bad, is a life that needs to be redeemed. God is gracious and loving and loves us right where we're at. He chooses us while we're still sinful, while we are apart from him. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That is the gospel. That Christ came to die for us while we were still sinners. And because of that, Romans goes on to say that now we get to be called friends of God. I think it's clear from Rahab's story that most of us would classify her as somebody 
that would fall into the category of being utterly helpless, like we just read in Romans. She was a prostitute living in a pagan nation. She had no idea who God was based on how they lived their lives. They worshiped false gods, but God. This is not a story, I know we've emphasized her, her occupation a lot and where she put her identity, but this is not a story about Rahab the prostitute. This is a story about God the Redeemer. God saw Rahab right where she was, in the dirt and in the mess of her sin, without hope, and yet he chose to redeem her. And he can do the same thing in your life today. God can take us from the pit that we've dug ourselves in. He can use our old identities to show the full power of his grace and his redemption. I think that even more of the power in this story comes because it isn't a one-time occurrence in the Bible. This is not the only time that God has chosen to use someone in the Bible that others would have called unfit. That is the narrative of the entire Bible, that God uses sinners, unfit people like you and like me to carry out his plan in this world. God is powerful enough to reach you right where you are. God sees us right where we are, but that's the thing about God. He doesn't just leave us there. That is not where God's mercy and grace end. God sees us where we are, and he can reach us where we are and give us a way out. He cares about how we live our lives. He does not want us to stay where we are. He calls us out of lives of sin he doesn't want us to stay, he doesn't want us to stay in darkness. He gives us opportunities to choose him. Number two on your sheet is this. God offers us a way out. We're gonna pick back up in Joshua 2, verse 8. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up to, on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. We offer our, our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. 
Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then, when they have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. God offers us a way out by giving us opportunities to say yes to him. Rahab said yes when she took the spies in. She said yes when she hid them and she risked her life by lying about where they were. Rahab said yes when she said, I know what your God has done, and I know he can save me. She said yes to God when she let the spies out of her window and told them how to get to safety. Rahab only knew two stories about God, two stories, and yet that was enough for her. That was enough for her to place her faith and her trust and her family's lives in God's hands. We have a whole book about the power of God, about his faithfulness and his works. And yet that is not enough for us. Rahab understood the power of God and she had faith. She was a prostitute. She was a liar. She didn't have a copy of the Bible telling her how to live her life. And yet scripture says that we are saved by, we are not saved by our works. We are saved by our faith. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Rahab's faith was not strong. It wasn't perfect. She didn't understand everything, but it is what saved her. Faith is your way out. Faith that God can use you. Faith that he can redeem your story. Faith that he is going to be faithful to his word. Faith in who God is. Rahab believed that God could use her, and she risked everything. She put her life on the line. Literally, this could have gotten her killed, but she was willing to die for her belief that God would give Jericho over to the Israelites. She knew that God was going to give them victory. That's the kind of faith that Rahab had. She didn't have all the answers, but she said yes to God. You don't have to have complete understanding to have complete obedience. Rahab trusted God and he took care of the rest. Sometimes I think that we get caught in inaction because we don't understand every aspect of God's plan for us. Rahab didn't have all the answers, 
but she had the faith to say yes to God anyway. What is stopping you today? What is your inability to trust God keeping you from? You see, because our obedience, us saying yes to God, is not just about us. God uses our obedience to lead us to the right people at the right time. None of this would have happened, none of Rahab's story, if the spies had not gone into Jericho. Because the spies were obedient, Rahab was saved. Honestly, it was kind of a failed spy mission. They didn't even make it past Rahab's house. They were supposed to look at like all of Jericho and they only made it to the wall. Yet God knew all along that that was going to happen. God made a way for Rahab through the obedience of other people. Through this, we can see the extent that God goes to in bringing one woman and her family to salvation. Someone seemingly impossible to save. God goes to great lengths to save people, and that is still true today. And God chooses to use us in that plan as well. I think we underestimate the power of simple obedience and little faith. Who does God want to use you to reach? Are you listening? Are you willing to be a part of his plan instead of your own? You may know someone that seems impossible to save, but God's hand is not too weak and not too short to save people like Rahab, and he can work in amazing ways to bring salvation. Now, Rahab's identity gets to be in Christ. Sure, Rahab the prostitute is still an important part of her story, but it is no longer where her identity is found. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. God has a new life in store for you. Are you ready? It doesn't matter how bad or not bad your story is or was. If you haven't allowed God in and allowed him to redeem it and to give you a new life, then you are still dead in your sin. You are still separate from God. We have to choose him and we have to say yes to him. God is offering us a way out, but we have to choose to say yes. Here's the third thing that God does through our stories as we begin to wrap up today. God allows us to be a part of his bigger story. Rahab's yes allowed her to be a part of God's bigger story. What did God do through Rahab's yes? This is my favorite part of Rahab's entire story. So the spies 
go back, they tell Joshua that they're going to win this battle, and then Joshua brings the Israelites in. The Israelites march around Jericho once a day for six days, and then they march around seven times on the seventh day. And all of the walls, they give a shout, and all of the walls around the city fall. Joshua chapter 6, verse 23 says, The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. So the spies didn't forget her. They came back for Rahab and her family after all. Notice the end of verse 23 there. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Other translations say they moved them outside the camp of Israel. That sounds pretty great to me, right? Her whole city has just collapsed, and then they burned it. Everyone that she knows, except for her family, is now dead. And the Israelites have been faithful to their, their word. They have gotten her and her whole family out and safely allowed them a place outside of the camp. Whew. But man, God is even more powerful than that. He is such a great redeemer that he didn't just leave Rahab and her family outside of the camp. He brought her smack dab in the middle of his story. This is where it gets really good. Rahab's story is relatively short, and you would think that it ends here in Joshua with the rest of her story. But if you skip ahead in the Bible to the very first chapter, of the New Testament, so like the last kind of third of your Bible, Matthew 1 gives the genealogy of Jesus. The Bible's pretty heavy on mentioning males. That was just the, the culture of that time. But in this long list of male ancestors of Jesus, there are only five women mentioned. Guess who's mentioned in that list? God didn't just allow Rahab to be an average Israelite, which would have been a miracle. He allowed her to marry into the royal family of Judah. He allowed her to become a part of Jesus's family, literally. Because Rahab chose to say yes to God, because she allowed God to use her, Rahab, the prostitute, got to be in the lineage of Jesus. You think your story is too messy for God to use? You think it's not messy enough? Just look at Rahab's story. If God can use a prostitute from a pagan nation to become the great, I think, times 16, grandmother of Jesus, the savior of the world, what can he use your story for? What is God going to do 
with your yes. You may never even know the full extent, but if God can do something like that with a person like that, don't you want to see what he can do with your story? Rahab had no idea of no way of knowing what her obedience would lead to. But she was willing to say yes to God's plan. She got to be a part of the lineage of Christ. What a good God. Your story is about more than just you. Your obedience to God has the ability to affect generations to come. Rahab is mentioned in the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews 11. Only 10 actual stories, there's a few more people mentioned, but 10 actual stories are talked about there, Rahab included. She beat out people like Gideon and David for spots in the lineup. Even Joshua, who led the people around Jericho and gave Rahab the freedom, is not mentioned by name. Hebrews 11.31 says, It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. If all of this doesn't tell you that God can use your story, I don't know what else can. What is God going to do with your yes? In October of 2021, Sobe and I started praying about where God wanted us to go. We were missionaries at the time, doing college ministry, and knew that it was like time to leave, but we began praying. We prayed for months. We prayed from October all the way until May. And through that process, in, in that spring, we got in contact with uh, a guy named Joe Dembo, from Milford, Ohio. And honestly, it was a really tough decision. It was one of the hardest and best yeses of my life. We didn't know what God was calling us to. From the middle of Missouri to Milford, Ohio. And yet, since we've been here, we've gotten to see youth students. We've, we've seen their lives changed. We've seen students called into ministry, called into missions. We've seen them want to grow closer in their relationships with God. We've gotten to baptize students. But we're not just invested in what God is doing through our youth students today. We're invested in where they're gonna be 20 years from now. What kind of parents they're gonna be. What kind of leaders they're going to be. What is God going to do with your yes today and 20 years from now? So here's your challenge from Rahab's story. 
as we wrap up today. Evaluate where you are. Are you far away from God and just need him to meet you where you are? Whether that's you're far by sin or just the junk of life and not your own choosing, ask him to meet you where you are. Some of my most influential moments with God have been moments when I was just in a rough place and just needed God to see me where I was. Is God giving you opportunities to say yes to him? Opportunities to increase your faith? Say yes to God. You don't have to have all of the answers, but he can use your obedience and your faith to do something so much bigger than you. Look for those opportunities. Step out in faith. That's how your faith increases. Don't leave here unchanged. Let Rahab's story and let her faith encourage you and challenge you this week. Go ahead and bow your heads. Close your eyes this morning. God sees you where you are. He goes to great lengths to save you and to offer you a way out. God allows you and whatever version of messy your story is to be a part of his bigger story when you say yes to him. Really, Rahab's story is just a picture of the gospel. God finds us while we're still sinners, saves us from death, and offers us a way out. And God's grace and redemption are just as real for you today. Doesn't matter how far gone you feel, God can still redeem you. All you have to do is say yes to him. So I wanna give you the opportunity this morning, if you feel like, man, I, I don't even know who God is. I want to say yes to him, but I wanna say yes to beginning a relationship with him. If that's you, um, would you go ahead and just raise your hand so that I can pray with you this morning? Thank you, thank you. God, we thank you that no matter what our story is, no matter which place we find ourselves in, you see us and you redeem us and you use our story. So God, I pray that whatever version of yes we're saying today, whether it's yes to starting a relationship with you or yes to stepping out in faith, to speaking to a coworker, to sharing you with a friend, God, I pray that you would increase our faith as we act. God, that you would use us, you would use our stories. Lord, redeem us and use us to be a part of your bigger story. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We look forward to having you back next week.